privilege today to continue our series, Jesus Over Everything. You know, we sing about Jesus being over everything all the time when we talk about him being Lord, him being Lord over all, him being particularly engaged in being Lord of creation. John 1 says that so clearly to us that he is Lord. You know, when we say he's Lord, there's this thing that happens to us internally. Kirk calls it the regular awakening of humility. When we say Jesus is Lord, we have to also add to our thought process, we are not. We are not. If he is, we are not. And so over the last three weeks, we've been talking about how we engage the love of Christ, how we engage faith that is greater than fear, and then how we actually engage in the spiritual battle of uh, warring against oppression and, and, and leaning into that. Kurt did such a great job last week of leading us to Luke chapter 4 and, and the prayer that G, uh, the, the scriptures that he read about the kingdom of God and its imminence. It is here now. And the evidences of the engagement of it being here now and also understanding that while it is here, it is still on its way in fulfillment. So in the vineyard, we regularly say the kingdom of God, the already what we experience now and the hoped for. Every person I meet has a great hope that God is at work and good things are going to happen. And when you talk about the afterlife, you get a beautiful story of Revelation 21. The afterlife is when everything gets really, really good. All the bad stuff disappears. All the good stuff multiplies. Yeah, yay. Do you, do you recognize that's the story that Jesus invites us to live into? There is an already, and there is a not yet. And today I want to talk to you about Jesus being Lord over everything with one of these really special places of an already not yet. In, in the course of this year, we've had several engagements with healing and healing prayer and prophecy and the good of others. Well, I just want to take another tack at it today. And uh, to do that, I want to look at Luke chapter 18. When I knew this was my assignment, Jesus, Lord over everything, healing greater than sickness, Luke chapter 18 came to my mind initially because I love the engagement of the story. And so let's just read that together. I'm reading from the New International Version. And it says this, Jesus approached Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who were at the head of the crowd said, stop that, be quiet, they shouted. But he shouted all the more. And another way to say that is, Loudly, louder than he had been shouting. He shouts louder than he had been shouting, Son of David, 
have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. And you should say, praise God together with him. Now, there's this thing that's happening in my life personally, and you've heard me say it uh, in my recent engagements of having the privilege of sharing with you the good news of Christ. Everything I read and everything I hear and every prayer I pray and every encounter I have with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what I am hearing and what I am receiving is invitation. Invitation. Will you welcome me? Will you join me on my mission? Some things that I used to read and hear as judgment and rejection and hardship have suddenly slipped into my well-being and God loves me and he's inviting me to let go of things that are burdens that weigh me down so that I can hold on to things that are life-giving and things that cause me to flourish. And when I read this passage, I want you to know that I hear two invitations Two invitations. And so let me just lay them out, and then we're going to walk our way through it. And I, I hope that you'll see the two invitations and that by the power of the Spirit, God will speak to you about you. And he, he speaks to you about you that you will hear his invitation to join him in saying yes, to receiving his love, and to say yes to going on mission with him. All right? So here are the two invitations that I see in this text. The first invitation is an open invitation for us to bring our needs to Jesus. Just to bring our needs to Jesus. The second invitation is an observation about the privilege we have of watching Jesus invite us to ministry clinic so what need do you have that you can bring to jesus saying yes to him and all his goodness and then also what can you learn by observing the ministry of jesus because he is conducting ministry clinic in this text and so let's just talk it out so here's the deal the first thing i want you to know in this text is simply this Jesus engages us in the ordinary. You know, when we get weird about spiritual stuff, we have to create odd places of engagement. The mood has to be just right. The music has to be just right. We have to feel just right. And Jesus never does that. He's just going along, doing his thing, engaging people, going about his business, and along the road, along the path, he sees people who are in need, and he engages them. Jesus just engages, engages us in the ordinary. 
As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So as I listen to this story, allowing it to unfold in my mind, I can imagine the blind man sitting along the roadside near Jericho, the entrance. I can imagine that that is actually his regular practice, that sitting at this entrance to the city is normal for him. It was part of his everyday, ordinary life. And when I think about it that way, I just see all of these other images of Jesus with people doing ordinary things, meeting them in their ordinary lives. And so I begin to try to exercise holy imagination. And in exercising holy imagination, the question I ask is simply this, what's going on? Like, what is happening? And so let me just talk from the perspective of blind man for a second. I think the blind man was just sitting at the gate hoping for a productive day. Uh, you know what I mean, productive day. He was hoping to receive gifts that would meet his needs. There's a story told later in the Gospels about Peter and John going to the gate and somebody was asking, and what were they asking for? They were asking for money. You know, almsgiving was an ordinary act of the people of God and others in giving charity to someone else. Almsgiving has been around for thousands of years and it's referred to as charity, philanthropy, giving to the poor, but it's also very clearly one of the ways that Christians aid others in their everyday ordinary life. So I think this blind man had a permanent seat, his regular place at the entrance of Jericho, and every day he went there, he was hoping that some of his needs would be met. There's a second thing that's happening in this text that I think we have to think about as well, and that is not only is he hoping for something to happen, we also have to understand that this blind man probably is anticipating enduring another day of grief and disappointment. You know, being in the daily grind, our daily responsibilities, especially job responsibilities, that everyday routine, monotonous, mundane activity, that leaves us dejected, defeated, and in this case, dismissed, and when we're dismissive of others, we are withholding the image of God given to all humanity. This is the encounter that the blind man is having at the gate of entrance to Jericho. But then something happens. He discovers Jesus is coming by. And what he discovers in Jesus coming by is that Jesus meets us as we are, where we are, and when he meets us as we are, where we are, I want to suggest to you that we always have hope rise within us. And when we discover that Jesus is present among us, we're often awakened to an expectant possibility that did not previously exist. That's called hope. And Jesus meets us in the everyday ordinary. We often become aware of that presence. And 
something in that presence tells us it's going to happen. Something's ready to break through. And what happens with us as hope builds in our hearts, we suddenly find ourselves like this man and we cry out, Mercy! The John Wimber prayer, that's really a good prayer, is a cry of mercy. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Mercy, mercy. He cries out for mercy. He calls out a second time louder. Mercy! And what we understand here is not only does Jesus meet us in the ordinary, but he welcomes our cries for mercy. He welcomes our cries for mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. As he called out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And those who were leading the pack said, Quiet down, be quiet, don't say that. Be... But he shouted all the more. And I think as soon as he cried out for mercy, almost immediately, he had several voices speaking to him. I, I can see three voices that he was paying attention to. And these are imaginary voices because I, I actually, two. One of them is imaginary because I think this is how it works and the two others are present in the text. But, but here's what I think happens is the voices that he hears in his head and with his ears. And the first thing is almost immediately, I think as we cry out for mercy, we become aware of some additional voices that are speaking to us. And so there are three voices we should pay attention to. The first voice is the voice of personal shame. I think as soon as he cried out and they said be quiet and he cried out again, I think there was something personal that went through his head. This is, the reason I think this is because it happens to me all the time. And here's what I think happened. He had to deal with the personal thought, you shouldn't have done that. Who do you think you are? What makes you think? that you deserve mercy from the son of David, Jesus of Nazareth. There's plenty of people out there who are way worse off than you. If you hadn't wasted your time and opportunity, you wouldn't even be in this place. Anybody else ever hear that? Yeah. Hope rises within us. We cry out and then suddenly shame fills us. And you know what happens? This is the way it almost always works. You think it and then others around you, others around you verify that what you thought is true. What you thought is true. Now, there's a cultural insight here, and it's not in this story, but it's just a cultural insight. Do you remember in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, you can go read this, uh, some religious leaders are talking to Jesus about blindness. And there's a blind man. And the question they ask Jesus is simply this. Um, Jesus, we'd like to know why this man is blind. Do you think it's because his parents sinned or because he sinned? 
and I can just stop right there. You can read John 9, 1 through 5, and work your way through some assumptions that exist within cultures. If something bad has rested on you, obviously it's because you've done something bad. Either you've sinned or someone else has sinned. And I think not only was his internal shame being heaped upon him, but there was an external shame because the voices of the crowd, those who led the way, rebuked and tried to silence him. And I think their rebukes absolutely mirror his own self-rebuke. You shouldn't have done that. Who do you think you are? What makes you think you deserve help? There's plenty of people worse off than you. If you hadn't wasted your time and opportunity, you wouldn't even be here. And so let me just say it again. One pain of shame is this. Our accusatory, demeaning self-talk is often reinforced and mirrored by those around us, word for word. But then, praise God, there's a third voice. Because Jesus stops and welcomes him. Jesus stops for a pause to be personal. A pause to be personal. And Jesus paused to be personal. He says to the man, I see you. I see you. I see you. You're worth my investment. I see you. And I think he's affirming the image of God that exists in each of us. No matter where you are, or what you've done. As the cultural crowd passes you by, Jesus is always in it. And Jesus' words to you always are without condemnation, but with great invitation, I see you. Can you receive that? Wherever you are today, I see you. You. Oh, you're in a mess. He sees you. You're broken. He sees you. You're failed miserably. He sees you. And the thing that follows after he says, I see you, is he says, I love you. I love you. You have great value and then I love it because Jesus in this personal pause I see you I love you you have great value expresses it with one question he sums it all up I see you I love you you have great value he simply asks a question Because Jesus invites, him, invites us to ask for what we want and need. And here's the question. 
Jesus came near and asked him, what do you want me to do for you? You should take a real deep pause right there. This is ministry clinic and personal receptivity. Ministry clinic, for you to pray for someone, you don't have to know what they have need of. You can ask the question Jesus asked. What do you want? And the invitation is when you cry out for mercy, at the time you cry out for mercy, you may not exactly know what you want. And so when Jesus says, what do you want? Now this blind man has a choice which voice will he listen to? Which voice will he listen to? His own voice of shame? <sighs> Are you doing the crowd's voice of shame? Or will he listen to Jesus' invitation? What do you I love the quote by Leon Morris as he summarizes this, and we're bringing our time to a close. Leon Morris says simply, so far the man had simply requested mercy, and mercy might take any one of a number of directions. Asked to put his desire into words, the man crystallized his longing. The man crystallized his longing. Lord, let me receive my sight. Anybody here want a word from Jesus? Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's good, that's good. What if Jesus' word to us today is, what do you want? What do you want? And what if this is a moment that is catalytic to crystallizing your longing that you have not been able to express? But in a moment with the Spirit in the presence of Jesus, He visits you and says, What do you want? And it suddenly becomes clear and you're listening to the voice of His invitation and responding with a clarified, crystallized, clear thought about this is what I want, this is what I need, and it may surprise you. Because it may not be what you've thought previously about what you want or need. Jesus has surprised me a lot recently with that kind of invitation. And so today, today, which voice will you listen to can I, can I just say this during our time of singing today one of our prayer leaders um, identified a voice that you might be hearing in your head and it's a voice of exclusion and it's a voice of dismissal 
because it's all about your inability to receive the forgiveness of sin. Your sin is so great that it's become a roadblock. It's become a roadblock. You, you, like, okay, when I get this sin taken care of, then Jesus will listen to me. Then Jesus will stop and talk to me. Then Jesus will ask me what I want. No, 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 and no. On all accounts, Jesus says now, what do you want? And if that is you, perhaps the crystallized call in your heart is simply this. I want to be free from the weight of shame regarding sin because I know in you I am seen, I am loved, I am welcomed, I am forgiven. See, the invitation of Jesus is to let him meet you as you are where you are. And the ministry missional invitation is for you to engage in meeting people as they are where they are, letting them know that they are seen and that they are loved and that they are valuable. And all you simply have to do is engage in a conversation that says, I see you, what is it that you want and how can we talk about that? Can I pray for you right now? Why don't you stand? This concludes our service. Except for those who would desire to receive ministry, prayer ministry. So I'm asking our team members if you will come and take places down front. Just to let know, uh, people know that there are those available here to pray with you. Let me call you back to perhaps a crystallized longing. If a, if, a, if a flash of a thought passed through your mind about what you wanted in response to the question of Jesus, what do you want? Do not pass that off as weirdness. This is, this is how God works. This is how God works. Let me suggest to you that God regularly speaks to you things over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It's the same thing. You just haven't become aware of it. And there's this crystallization that occurs. And God loves us so much that I love what Psalm 23 says. The very last verse of Psalm 23 says this. Surely goodness and mercy chase, chase after me. That's a really good translation. Goodness and mercy chase after me all the days of my life. That's the whispering words of the loving Father made known to us by the power of Spirit in the promise of the presence of Jesus. He will be with you always. He'll live in you. And he will remind you what I said. And he will lead you into truth. And he will lead you into righteousness. That's the way it works. I thought to myself is regularly said or God said to me. It, it happens that way. Let me say to you, if it was a thought that was better than your own, it's probably his. 
right? Right? A voice that pierces the shame and dispels it. That's his voice. A voice that welcomes you to be transparent and honest and seen. That's his voice of invitation. If you'd like to receive prayer and there was a crystallized thought in your mind or you have a need for any kind of prayer and you're aware of, I have need for prayer and I want it. I'm going to pray a prayer blessing. You come receive prayer before you go. And for those of you uh, who are ready to depart, blessings be upon you. So now we bless you, the people of God, to be all that God has called you to be. To enlarge our heart to receive the invitation of Jesus and to live into the light of his love that shines brightly upon us. May you be at peace. May you rest in favor. And may you be blessed as Abram was blessed for the purpose of blessing others with the very blessing you received from God. As you go or as you receive prayer, may it be that his voice will speak louder and clearer and welcoming with great love. This I ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.